the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, earlier in Mark, we saw the Pharisees and the scribes seeking to destroy Jesus by discrediting him. Um, by the time you get to uh, the end of chapter 3, they're even accusing Jesus of being possessed by Satan. And now they're back at it again. This time, zeroing in on the failure of the disciples to obey the tradition of the elders. Now, when you hear the word tradition, what do you think of? Or I should say, what musical do you think of, right? Feather on the roof, tradition. Tevia, right? That's not the idea of tradition that we have here in Mark. That's tradition, you know, for the sense of preserving culture, uh, not for the sense of protecting moral purity. Or we may think of tradition as it relates to churches, right? We're, we're either a church that, you know, always sings hymns and always uses an organ or always sings contemporary and always has everything electric, right? It's that or the other. We, people either dress down or they dress up. I mean, traditions in the sense of what tends to characterize the culture of a place. And that's not what's being talked about here either. What's being talked about here is the idea of laws or rules that were man-made in order to protect God's law and help keep people from breaking it. Those laws were developed by rabbis over time. They were contained in the Mishnah. The Mishnah, by the time of the second century, so, you know, two, two, 100 years or so after the time of Christ, uh, contained 613 different laws, rules, 
for the truly pious to follow. So, you see an example, you know, here in this passage. We'll, we'll look at it in a minute when it comes to cleansing and hand washing. But the main thing to realize is that this started out as an attempt to do something good. Something helpful. But in the end became both laughable and damnable. And we build fences as well. So again, let me come back. The way to think about tradition is with the idea of a fence. The Mishnah describes it that way. They were trying to build a fence around God's law. And we build fences as well. We try to come up with ways to keep ourselves or others from getting too close to breaking God's law. We create rules for the truly righteous to follow. We only listen to, you know, Christian music. We never listen to secular music. We only listen to, um, you know, the Christian radio station. Never, ever, ever to NPR. Um, We never watch R-rated movies. We never miss a quiet time. We always tithe above the tithe. I mean, all these things are rules that will impose upon our a kind of Mishnah for the truly righteous to follow in order to demonstrate to the world how devoted they are to God. And what Jesus is going to show in this passage is that holding to tradition, in that sense, doesn't make you holy. It makes you a hypocrite. It isn't a sign of deeper devotion to God. It's actually a sign of greater distance from God. And far from being evidence of love for God and His Word, man-made commandments actually set God and His Word aside altogether. And here's the kicker. They don't actually deliver on what they promise. They don't deal with the problem that we have in the first place, which is the human heart, the source of the defilement, the uncleanness that we all feel. There is a stain that remains that cannot be washed away no matter how hard we try. And that is the tragedy of what's happening in this passage. We rightly look at the Pharisees, and and Jesus, of course, will pronounce woes upon the Pharisees. We don't think about the everyday Jewish people who were trying so hard to be right with God by obeying the external rules and knowing internally that they could never turn off the faucet that was their sinful human heart and so always felt cut off from God. And my prayer in the little bit of time that we're going to take this morning is that we realize that far from a needing to create laws to keep from breaking God's holy law, how much better it is to see God's law for what it is that we might flee to Him for grace and by His grace be more and more enabled to love Him and love others. So that's where we're headed. First, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this passage, we do pray that you would help us to set aside tradition, to tear down fences that we have built or fences that others have built and imposed upon us so that we might not be cut off from you, but rather be drawn closer to you as we flee to you for the grace and the mercy that you show to all who come in repentance and faith. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so three things we're going to see this morning. First, the problem with tradition. Second, the source of our pollution. And then third, the only way to be clean. Alright? 
So the problem with tradition, the source of our pollution, and the only way to be clean. First, the problem with tradition. And again, what is tradition? We get a hint at it in verses 1 through 5 of the passage. Mark says, you know, many other traditions like this they have. Um, you know, they, in this instance, it had to do with washings. But there were many other. In fact, the Mishnah contains 613 rabbinic laws, all created to protect God's law and help people keep from breaking it. And again, there, there's a way in which that could have been a good thing. For instance, God's law says, don't work on the Sabbath. Well, how do you know if you're working on the Sabbath? And so one of the things that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, tried to do was provide guidance. Here's how you know whether or not you're working on the Sabbath. Now that became eventually laughable. They were debating over such things as how many sticks can you carry for your fire on Sunday? How many, on the Sabbath, on Saturday? How many steps can you take on the Sabbath? They actually de debated whether or not a man with a wooden leg could carry his wooden leg out of the house if there was a fire on the Sabbath because that might be work. It was also damnable. Because what Jesus would recognize and, and, and say to them later is you are placing a burden upon people that is too great for them to bear. You have made these laws, these man-made commandments, a substitute, a replacement for the commandment of God. It became a standard of righteousness. Again, that's what we see in the text. In the Old Testament, um, you don't have any commandments telling people, everyday Jews, that they need to wash their hands and wash their couches and wash their cups and pots or copper vessels. The priests in the Old Testament had to wash themselves before entering the presence of God. Jewish people know, knew that they had a sense of uncleanness before this holy God. And so the Pharisees said, you know what, let's wash everything. Like everything. Because we want to make sure that we're clean before God. Or we don't become defiled before God. They didn't understand the source of our uncleanness. It wasn't what your hands touch. It's what our hearts produce. That's where Jesus is going to take us here in a minute. But first of all, let's think about these kinds of fences or man-made rules that we build in our lives in an attempt to keep ourselves clean. And one example that comes to mind is, for instance, not watching movies that are rated R because of nudity. All right? There's an example of something that in and of itself can be a very good and wise thing. When does it become a bad thing? It becomes a bad thing when a personal conviction becomes a law for everyone. It becomes a bad thing when you boast in yourself and judge others. It becomes a bad thing when you think that you have fulfilled the law, that your heart is pure before God because you've never or never will watch an R-rated movie that's R-rated because of nudity. It's bad when you use your prohibition, self-imposed, to not watch R-rated movies for nudity, to condone your letting your gaze linger and your imagination run wild whenever you see an attractive person. Because after all, it's not like what you'd see in an R-rated movie. When's it good? It's good, thing, it's good when you say things like, you know what, lust is a sin that I struggle with. I know I'm forgiven. 
I know I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I know that God's promise is that he will help me flee temptation by providing a way out whenever it comes. But because I'm weak in this area, I am not going to deliberately put myself in a situation where I'm likely to struggle. I know the problem is my heart. I know I'm responsible for what I do with what I see. But this is something that I can do. It's a world of difference between that between trying to maintain a tender conscience before the Lord by choosing to or not do certain things versus a legalistic restriction that leads to pride when you think that you're doing it just great or despair when you know that you're not and then judgment of everyone around you. These are examples of fences, of traditions that don't work. They don't work. They distance you from God. That's what Jesus is saying, verses 6 through 8. Quotes Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, that is written, as people honor me with my, their lips, but their heart is far from me. They have an appearance of holiness. They're, they're here, even on a hot day like today. But their hearts are far from the Lord. Alec Matir in his commentary on Isaiah says this, For these folks and for any such folk, religion remains, but reality has perished. Keeping these traditions distance you from God. They also distance you from other people. So the example that Jesus gives in verses 9 through 13, you see that happening with this example of Corbin. Corbin, again, was a rabbinic Law that said if you declare something holy, then you don't have to use that thing for something else. And so what, Jesus, what, the, what the Pharisees were saying, and Jesus is giving this example, is listen, that money that you should use to care for your aging parents, declare it Corbin. You don't have to give it to the temple right away. You could just kind of sit there. But say it's dedicated to God. And then say to your parents, Hey, you know, what can I do? I, I'm just wanting to honor God. And so it's Corbin. I can't do anything for you. And Jesus is saying, what, Are you kidding me? The whole point of the law is to help you know what it looks like to love God and love other people. This very commandment, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, I've given you so that you can love well your parents. And you Pharisees come along and actually create a law, a commandment that undermines the commandment of God. It's not preserving it, it's destroying it. These traditions, they distance us from God. They distance us from other people. And they fail to deliver on what they promise. They set aside God's law. They don't preserve it. The very thing that God's law is intended to do. Think about this. God's law is intended to help us know what it looks like to glorify God and love other people. And it's also intended, Jesus makes this clear in the Sermon on the Mount, to show us how much we need God's help and His grace for our forgiveness. Commandments of men cut our feet out from under us at both of those points. Commandments of man, tradition, fences, are all about me, not loving God and loving other people. And they're all about hiding my heart, not letting it get exposed by God's righteous law. What's tragic about tradition, it's more than just a problem. What's tragic about tradition is that whenever we build a fence around God's law, we're actually building a fence 
between us and God. Second, the source of our pollution. Jesus tells us the source of our pollution in verses 14 through 23, that it is the heart. Jesus says two things here. What makes you unclean is on the inside, and there's nothing you can do to fix it. What makes you clean is on the inside. So that's what he's saying. We don't need to go back and read the whole thing, verses 14 through 23. But the point he's making is that it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean. Now, at one level, the, the, the Jewish people should have understood that. right? Jesus tells this parable. He goes into the house with his disciples. His disciples are scratching their head going... I'd, yeah, I'll unpack this for us, Jesus. At one level, they should have understood because they knew David's prayer of confession from Psalm 51. They knew that David prayed, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Verse 10 Isaiah, of uh, Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew the problem was the heart. The problem Prophets knew the problem was the heart. Hence the need for God to give them a new heart. A heart of flesh and not a heart of stone in Ezekiel chapter 36. They should have known that the thing that made them unclean was not what their hands touched, but what their hearts produced. And they should have known there was nothing that they could do to fix it. It's a well that we can't turn off. It's been a little over 10 years since the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, April 20th, 2010. A wellhead blew. Oil began streaming into the Gulf at a rate of 53,000 barrels per day. The well wasn't capped until September of 2010, not until after 4.9 million barrels had spilled into the Gulf. That is the human heart when it comes to sin. It just keeps gushing. Jesus gives us some examples at the end of the passage. For from within, verse 21, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, and the like. So what can we do? If tradition or man-made laws won't make us clean, if the source of our pollution is inside of us, if it's a well that we can't turn off, how can we be clean? The only way to be clean is if someone else makes us clean. And we get a little teeny hint in this passage. We wouldn't know if we didn't have the rest of the story. But just look at this little teeny hint at the end of verse uh, verse 11. No, I'm sorry, verse 19. It's just a little parenthetical comment by Mark. Thus he declared all foods clean. Mark doesn't tell us that Jesus said, and you know what Jesus said? All the food's always been clean. Mark tells us that Jesus declared or pronounced, from now on, all food is clean. The ceremonial law, all the cleanliness and laws of the Old Testament relative to dietary restrictions, Jesus is saying, I am declaring those foods to now be clean. Who has the authority to declare that which is unclean, clean? Only God has this kind of authority. It's just a little preview of what will happen when Jesus Christ goes to the cross 
and bears the shame of our uncleanness. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says that for our sake God made him sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become clean. We might become the righteousness of God. Jesus bore the reproach of our uncleanness. He went outside the city gate. That's what happened. If you were unclean, you were defiled. You couldn't be in the presence of God. You had to go outside the city. Jesus went outside the city to Golgotha and he bore our reproach on the cross. Why? So that his blood might cleanse us. The prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25, God says through Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. Where and how does that happen? John tells us in 1 John 1 7. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And Jesus gives us a new heart. That heart of flesh that replaces the heart of stone that Ezekiel talked about in Ezekiel chapter 36, that's what happens when a person is born again. When God by His Spirit comes along and takes that which was dead and gives it life, that we might have faith and believe. What's the result? The result you see in places like Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to end here. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Everything that, uh, 21 and 22, everything that man-made traditions, everything that our own personal restrictions try to do, the blood of Jesus accomplished for us. Hebrews 10 verses I'm going to read 19 and following. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What is it that will compel us to come before God and His righteousness and His law and all of His perfection and not try to build a fence to keep us from getting anywhere near it, but rather see it for what it is. God's invitation to love Him and love others in the grace and the strength that He provides. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ in our place. It's not whatever we can do. It's what Jesus Christ has done that enables us to be clean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great and glorious reminder from your word that your Son has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Make us clean. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.